Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello and welcome to the Agent of Wealth with Mark Boudis of Boudis Financial. Mark, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I'm great. How are you? Doing doing fantastic. I, I'm, we're jumping right into the show here. I have no idea what we're talking about. What are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about, we're going to put our economist hats on. We're going to talk a little nice. bit about recessions, what they are. Uh, are we going to experience one? And then as investors, is there something that we should do to combat a recession? Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's Those are a lot of very great and important questions. So um, first of all, for our audience members that may not know, can you give us a general definition of what a recession is? Yeah. And recession is one of these words that we get we get hammered with all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you listen to CNBC, you listen to read the Wall Street Journal. You know, it's once a day, an article will come up or news story, or, you know, are we going to have a recession? Is the economy slowing down? So it is a scary topic. But before we, we really, I guess, define what a recession is, we have to cover how the economy works and or what a business cycle is. So a recession is part of a business cycle. They're, they're actually normal. So I know they're scary, but... Um, they, they do happen. And mm-hmm. there's four phases to the to the business cycle. And what we find is that in, throughout history, these business cycles wind up repeating themselves. So you can have the, the period that we're in now, which is called an expansion, or it's more aptly known as a bull market. So this is when you know the economy's humming along, everything's great, the stock market's great, unemployment's low. And then at some point, it hits a peak. So that means the top of the, of the expansion or the top of the bull market. Then the next phase is we see that contraction where that's the recession, where all of a sudden things slow down. Uh, we have to, you know, there's uh, businesses pull back on their spending and then it, it actually hits some bottom point, which is called the trough. And once it hits that bottom point, we repeat ourselves. We go back through that expansion and peak contraction and trough. And this has happened forever throughout time. So uh, recession is really defined as when we have two quarters in a row where our GDP or gross domestic product is actually declining. Hmm. So we're, we're like, uh, you know, when we look at our economic, you know, the economy and it's like everything, we always want to be improving. We always want to do better than what we did last year or last quarter. And when we don't, we classify it as a, as a recession. Hmm. Well, that's, I, I had no idea. I didn't know the actual definition of a recession. So that's, that's news to me. So when you say it's cyclical, right? I mean, it, 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 it's ups and downs and so on and so forth. Where do you feel we're at now within there? So you can look at it as we're, we're actually in the longest bull running bull market um, since World War II. Wow. And, and you know, again, it, it's, it's actually measurable. So we look at that, that trough and that trough happened right in the, the economic crisis of 2008, 2009. So if you calculate it now, we're just at about 10 years running mm-hmm. that we've had a bull market and bull markets uh, average about four and a half years. So someone would say, well, we're at the longest, you know, running bull market ever. What does that mean? And you really can't tell. There's no timing that says, okay, the bull market is going to end. And even though it is the longest running bull market in history, it's, it's not the best performing bull market in history. So we're sort of plotting along, you know, we've plotted along these 10 years. And even if you followed 
you know, some of the, the uh, economics of it. Uh, you know, you've, you, we've heard, oh, it's slow growth and we're, we're not really, you know, the, the economy's not really growing. And a lot of it is, you know, uh, back in 2008, 2009, the Fed did some uh, monetary controls to try and spur this bull market uh, along. And it definitely has. Uh, but if you ask a couple of people, they'll, or some people will say we're at the, we're at the end of this bull market. Hmm. Earlier, you had mentioned that a recession is inevitable, right? So what does that mm-hmm. truly mean that it's inevitable? So uh-huh. it, it means that, yes, we're, every, it's, it, the economy is cyclical. We are going to see a recession. We are going to see a pullback at some point. The, the problem is that no one knows when. Um, you know, like I said, we're at 10 years, average is four and a half years. But that doesn't mean we're going to see a recession tomorrow. That doesn't mean we're going to see one next year. Or it doesn't even mean we're going to see one in, in five years. If you look at some other countries, like Australia as an example, they're, go, they're over 20 years. They're, they're going through a bull market of over 20 years. Really? So, yeah. So the, the, and what happens is bull, it, it, there's nothing that, you know, it, it hits a, the bull market hits a certain age. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, time to, uh, you know, we're time to go into a recession. They don't die of, of old age. Something, and the, the quote is that something has to assassinate the, uh-huh. the bull market. All right. <laughs> so there's usually a couple of culprits that usually do this. Uh, the first one is when there's an asset bubble that bursts. So we can look at, if you look at 2001, 2008 recessions, they, they ha- they, these recessions were caused by, uh, the 2001 uh, recession was caused by the, the tech uh, sector bubble. Mm-hmm. So that, that inter- more aptly known as the, uh, the internet bubble. So that burst and, and all of a sudden that caused a recession. And then, you know, famously in 2007, 8, 9, we had the housing crisis, which caused that, mm-hmm. that bubble. So that's one, one culprit. Uh, the other one is if inflation gets out of control. So inflation is, is the, when prices rise, things become more expensive. Uh, it costs more to borrow money. So consumers won't do things like buy houses or, or cars or spend money because everything is getting more expensive. The third, uh, usually culprit of a recession is sometimes we see mistakes by the Fed, um, you know, where they have their, the Fed usually tries to help the economy or keep, you know, keep the economy spurring along. But sometimes they will, they will issue, you know, issue monetary policy that actually can cause a recession. And we almost saw this in December of, two, of last year, of 2018, when the Fed kept raising rates, raising rates, raising rates and said, they we're going to continue doing this in 2019. It tightened up the credit markets. Everyone, there was some nervous about the uncertainty mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, whether the economy can handle it. And, you know, we saw that, that pullback in December. They quickly reversed, the Fed quickly reversed their, um, their forecast uh, in January and said, okay, maybe we're going to take a step back yeah, and maybe not. <laughs> raise rates. Yeah. So it, you know, the Fed's one of them. And then, then there's always something unexpected, um, like with the oil prices. And if there's an embargo with OPEC and oil or, uh, you know, uh, September 11th when that happened. But um, I think those types of events are less frequent. You know, you can classify them as those geopolitical events. They're less frequent. They happen less frequently. And it, it almost is a blip. You can look at it as a blip on the map because the recovery after it is usually a lot quicker than some of these other culprits that caused the recession. Mm-hmm. So if we look at, you know, where are, okay, where are we now? Do, are any of these, you know, potential recession-causing areas out there? 
if we go back to the asset bubble bursting or what can, we're really, we don't really don't have the housing, some of the cyclical sectors are the ones that typically burst. So housing isn't really at a overextended level. If we look at the price of the stock market and everyone looks at it and says, okay, we're making new highs. But if you look in at how these companies or stocks are priced relative to their earnings, we're actually not high historically. So it doesn't look like a bubble's going to burst there either. And then the other cyclical sectors, like an example is the auto sector. Uh, that's another one that's known cyclically, you know, and that combined with the housing. But we're actually look okay there. So we don't look like, it doesn't look like an asset bubble is going to burst. We, we really haven't had any inflation for, for a while. And the, I, I think the Fed would actually probably prefer a little bit more inflation than, than what's going on, than what's, what we have now. We're finally starting to see some wage growth. So, you know, if a lot of workers haven't seen raises or small, have seen small raises for a while, we're starting to see some growth there, which is a, is a good thing. Uh, you know, it's all in, in balance or all in moderation. We want some, you know, we want to see some inflation, some price increase, but we don't want to see too much uh, because that's when everything tightens up and, and we have that, that recession ca- causing. The other thing is that unexpected event, which we can, you know, I mean, it, it's, every day there's a new thing going on, whether it's something with Iran, North Korea, mm-hmm. uh, you know, China. So, yeah, we can see a ge- geopolitical event anytime. But again, that's the, I think, the least, the least worrisome of the, of the, different, the different events. So this is just an opinion question, complete opinion question. But over the last 20 years, media, social media, our access to information has increased so dramatically that uh, I'm surprised that, that that hasn't played a bigger part in this. I mean, if back in the day, you know, I, I remember uh, when, when the uh, Iraq war happened back in the 90s, right? CNN mm-hmm. had coverage 24 hours a day and, and most people could access it pretty easily. But before then, before cable and everything, people didn't have all these, they weren't inundated with all this media stuff, right? So what do you think as far as how much access we have and how much the media seems to like to throw up clickbait that may be more shock type news? How do you see that affecting what we deal with when it comes well, to a recession? I, I think it definitely, yeah, it definitely is, is a valid, valid point. We, you know, we get, we get inundated with this stuff every day with, you know, this is going to happen and, you know, chicken little and run for the hills and, and the media loves it because oh, yeah. it, it drives up their, their ratings. And I think that's part of what, what really we're trying to cover here is that, yeah, recessions do happen, but try and filter out that noise that, mm-hmm. that goes on, you know, that we, that we hear every day. And, you know, it, it's, this is, you know, we're really trying to say, well, a recession does happen. How should you, you know, react to it or prepare for it? And that's a great question. How do you? Yeah. <laughs> we'll cover that in a, in a second, how you prepare for it, because I think it is, it is important to, not try and time it mm-hmm. and and say okay the recession is coming i'm going to going to i'm going to put all my money in cash and i'm going to wait till the the recession comes the market drops because what i've seen with with that is um people will go through that okay if recession happens every four and a half years so that means you know, like 5 years ago people were saying recession's coming recession's coming let's time it let's get our money out and then what happens is they, it's really impossible for anyone to, mm-hmm. to time any of these business phases. And, you know, no matter how many times I say it's a losing proposition to, to try and time the market or time when there's going to be a recession or a bull market, it's just intuitively natural to want to, you know, say, okay, I want to take money out and not, and de-risk and not, not have to deal with it. Even though it's, it's been proven that 
you know, timing these things is, is virtually impossible to do. Yeah. And, and one thing that I've always appreciated about you, Mark, is that you don't have a magic eight ball sitting on your desk <laughs> to consult, you know, are we going to go through a recession shake it up real quick? And, oh, look, looks good. <laughs> you know, so, oh, and, and if you're listening, if your advisor does have a magic eight ball on their desk, I would be concerned. So just, just, that's my advice. So that, that's just yeah. coming from me. That, that's just one guy. I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's true. And, and if I look at, you know, everything I do as an advisor and, and what goes into planning and all this, I think the fact that I can't, nor can anyone control what the markets do. That's probably my least favorite part of, of what I do, mm-hmm. but how we, how we, what we, what goes into it is preparing for even that recession to, to come. But before we get into the preparing piece, one thing I wanted to say is that, you know, we looked at these usual culprits and we don't see that happening, you know, in the, in the relatively short term. The one wild card is, is the trade issues with, with China. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that's, that's, all, that's definitely gotten a lot of uh, PR, publicity, uh, media coverage on that. And I think depending upon how that, that goes or, you know, that, how prolonged that these trade barriers are, that can have an impact on on whether it causes a recession or not. And it's not, uh, you know, if you look at how much China, you know, sends us a lot more of business than we actually send them. So it's mm-hmm. only, we only import 1% of our, or export 1% of our, our GDP to, to China. So even if, you know, 1% on our GDP, it's, it's really economically, you know, looking at it quantitatively, it's not really going to have an impact. But what happens is it throws up that uncertainty flag. And then once the uncertainty flag gets thrown up, businesses stop spending, they stop hiring, they stop, uh, you know, doing research projects. And then that's what causes that that recession to, to mm. come. So it's not that, okay, you know, if the, if we don't, you know, if we don't do as much business with China, we're going to cause a recession. It's not that it's, it's more of the uncertainty that those, the, those trade barriers would cause. So yeah, that is definitely something to follow, something to worry about. You know, I know we're looking at both. If you look at both sides of it, they both seem, you know, it, it fluctuates, you know, one that one week we're close to a deal next week. It's we're far, we're far away. And, mm-hmm. uh, so who knows when or if a trade uh, deal will will happen, but that is definitely one area to to follow and and see how it plays out. Yeah, and depending on what channel you're on, it it'll have a good outlook or a bad outlook. That's the yeah. problem. You know, it's it's the again. I'm not going to blame everything on the media, but doggone it, <laughs> they, they, yeah. got, they have a lot of share of the blame here. I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's it, it's true. So again, it's it's trying to filter out that 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 noise and really looking at your individual individual situation, which is a good segue into, you know, what should we do to prepare for, for a recession? Yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, preparing for a recession, there's a, there's a couple things involved. So one of, one of it is not all of it falls on the individual investor or the consumer. The fed does try and help out and help either soften the recession or help, you know, mitigate the, the damage that a recession can come. And they usually do that by monetary policy. And their most frequent monetary policy strategy is to uh, you know, when a recession comes is to reduce interest rates and reducing interest rates, why that spurs activity or economic activity is think about someone who's buying a house and if their interest rate is going to be 3% versus 5%, it's, they're probably going to, it's the cost of what it's going to cost them per month is less. And that's going to, you know, cause them to go out and think harder about, yes, maybe this is something that, that we should do versus the re- reverse. If the Fed raises rates, 
And they do that sometimes on the opposite side. If the market's too hot or the economy's too hot, you know, think about, oh, now my loan is going to cost, you know, it's going to cost me 7%. I'm going to have to pay 7% interest versus 5%. Then people start thinking twice about, mm-hmm. about spending, spending money. So the Fed has tools that it can use. But also as an investor, you know, we can look at, okay, what, how should we invest or should we invest differently? And again, it's not, it's not, we're not going to go out and try and time the market and say, okay, we see a recession coming. Let's take all our money out. Let's put it on the, on the sideline. And then when the recession comes, the market drops, we'll, we'll add the money back. And we, we don't do that for a couple of reasons. One, because we never know when that's going to come. Mm-hmm. It might be five years down the road, but also what's really tough is when, yeah, it's great to buy things low and buy things that have gone down, but most people emotionally can't do it. You know, they, they may have cash and all of a sudden they see the market going down going down and they say, okay, it's going to, I can't, you know, I want to buy things cheaper, but it's hard to do when on a declining market because mm-hmm. mentally you look at, it's never going to end. It's always going to go, going to go down. Yeah. If, if I buy this right now, the next day I'm going to lose, I'm losing money. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that's, yeah. I could see that being a huge barrier. Yeah. That's the mentality that it's, it's very easy to have that that mentality because it's just natural. You know, when you see things, something going down, mm-hmm. you don't, you think it's going to, going to stop. And even on that with, with, you know, investing. So it's, it's really creating that, that strategy um, and sticking to the the plan because, you know, recession is scary. And do you know what the four most dangerous words with, with uh, investing and recessions are? I don't. <laughs> it's this time is different. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, right. You know, we we can go through history and look at a recession, and at some point, you see that economy going back and market going down, and whatever caused it, whether it was something, you know, when bubble bursting this, and you know, you say this time's different. I want, I want out. I don't want to deal with this. And every single time, it's there's been a recovery. There's been that that cycle has has continued. So, you know, that's what I try and inflect a lot. Um, on when, when talking to someone about this is that, yeah, markets don't go up all the time. Um, you know, we have to mentally prepare ourselves for that. But, you know, when things look as bad as they do, the market will recover and the economy will, will recover. So it's one, you know, kind of philosophy that I've tried to, to utilize as, as an advisor. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do will um, tilt portfolios and you know, depending upon where we are in the business cycle. So if we look at the market of, of stocks and all the stocks that are, that are out there, uh, you know, the, as we're towards the end of a bull market or, you know, sort of, uh, you know, maybe there's a recession somewhere in the, in the future, I'll shift to either quality or lower volatility stocks. You know, that's, if you look at all the different, you know, you can classify stocks in, in many different ways, but those are two what are called factors, which I'll, I'll rebalance portfolios or change the allocations as, you know, we, we get farther along that, that bull market. Okay. Did you say quality or low volatility companies? I, I did. Yeah. So there are stocks that of companies that exhibit those two characteristics. And the, the quality characteristic is you, you want to look for companies that have a certain level of profitability, profitability and they maybe have sufficient cash on their on their balance sheet so that they can hedge or mitigate against you know some of these downturns that that happen and the low volatility what we're looking for there we're looking for 
companies that don't really fluctuate, their stock price doesn't really fluctuate as much as the overall market does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll look at, and usually you're looking for these steady eddy companies. They're not the most sexy, high flying, you know, tech startup, but they're a company that has a, a business model or is in a sector where no matter what happens with the economy, people are still going to use their, their, their product or their, or their service. And a lot of people will think things like utilities or, or consumer goods products. But, you know, you look at it from this perspective, if the economy goes bad or, you know, something negative happens, are you still going to light your house? Are you still going to, you know, brush your teeth? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that most of the time is yes. So those hope, companies yeah. don't, yeah. so those companies don't necessarily see as much as a, as a hit, you know, when, when we do have that pullback or that, that down downturn. So mm-hmm. those are, you know, two, two ways that, you know, we look at shifting the, uh, the portfolios to really, and again, it's not major shifts where we're taking everything out of one strategy and moving into another. It's small tilts or, or shifts. And then just to, to, to give it some, you know, context around it, when we're in a full-blown expansion or bull market, we're looking at these high growth or momentum companies where they're, they're doubling their earnings every, every couple of years or they're, you know, smaller cap hyper growth, growth companies. And, you know, that's the strategy tilts to those types of companies in that, in that expansion or, or bull market, just to give some perspective of, of you know, how, how someone would, would address a, a different type of economy or different type of, of market. Gotcha. The last piece of, of, of uh, investing or portfolios is I want to talk about fixed income or bonds. And everyone, you know, you look at interest rates that you're getting all the way along from, you know, a savings account where the interest rate is, is negligible to, you know, treasuries, which are U.S. government's fixed income securities or even corporate bonds. And they're still really low. So some people will say, well, why would I want to, you know, why would I even bother Mm-hmm. Um, that. And I think part of it is we forget what happens during these recessions or even worse, a bear market where stocks do get, do get hit. The, the fixed income piece or the bonds can almost serve as a insurance against that. And it's not that you're going to make some great income from it. But what happens is when the Fed goes and lowers interest rates, the, the price of the bonds actually rises up. So there's an inverse relationship between interest rates and the price of bonds. Gotcha. So what happens is you'll get the price increase with the bonds, which will negate the decrease that we'll see with, with stocks. So it serves as that you know, insurance or, or hedge to help out. So even though you're not collecting a lot of income, it, it is a, a valuable tool to use in a portfolio. Nice. All right. So you know, ra- wrapping a lot of this, this up, we, we can't control economic cycles. We can't control the stock market. We can't control headlines from the, from the media. And you know, we went over a couple of times how market timing is unrealistic. Mm-hmm. But- you can control what's in your portfolio. So your, your plan really should, you know, look at your time horizon, whether this is, is, you know, you're investing or saving for a goal that's a year away or five years away or for retirement, which may be 20, 30, 40 years away. Um, you know, you, you, you want to invest differently. Uh, you also want to take into account your risk tolerance. And that goes to, you know, how much risk you should have in your portfolio versus how much risk you're comfortable with. And there should be a correlation between those. And then really, you know, back to what you're, what you're saving for, you know, is it, do you have, are you trying to save for your kid's college? Are you trying to save for a new house for retirement? Uh, you know, and there's lots of different goals that, that one could be saving for. 
And, you know, there's always risk with investing, but you want to tailor, you know, your portfolio or we, we, the advice we give, the recommendations we give, it's specific to what makes sense for, for that individual investor. Not, you know, we want to try and time the market or looking for, you know, some blanket approach to, you know, everyone that's 50 years old gets a blanket, a blanket approach. It's really uh, a customized advice for, for each of our investors. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line is that if you're listening to this, it's not one size fits all. Uh, Mark, I know that you work extensively with your clients, figuring out exactly what their needs are, desires are, and that all plays into the overall plan. And as we wrap this podcast up, if people do have concerns or they have questions, I mean, obviously, going back to blaming the media, there's so much misinformation out there. There's so much information that just drives me bananas. If somebody's listening and they want to reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can either call me. My my phone is 862-205-5800. You can go to my website, boutusfinancial.com and schedule a free consultation. And, you know, there's lots of things we can talk about in that first call, but one of them, we can really give a look at your, what you're currently doing, give a second opinion and even stress test it against some of these things like a recessions or interest rates spiking, or, you know, another, if we see another housing crisis in like we saw in 2008, 2009, how would your current investments react to it? And whether your current investments make sense for that, what happened? So uh, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to anyone. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. This was, this was extremely enlightening to me. I didn't know a lot of this information. Thanks, Eric. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boutis. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these with your friends and family. And we ask you to do that because Mark brings great information every time he has a podcast. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Boutis Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions about his financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment and financial planning.